Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, June 9th, 2023. I'm your host, Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. With me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity and more. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income, and Patrick Grady, Senior Fixed Income Portfolio Manager. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news, the calendar was extremely light. We only had two data points to go over. The first earlier in the week was the services PMI, or Purchasing Managers Indices, which showed a split result with some of the data showing a contraction continued in the uh, sector, and the other showed some stability. So we'll have to look at next month's read to see which direction that's going to take us. Second of all, just yesterday, we had the initial unemployment claims had a pop of 28,000 up to a level of 261,000 for the prior week, which we'll have to see if it's somewhat of an anomaly or if it's the beginning of an increase in overall initial unemployment claims. As we look at that number right around the 260,000 level, it hasn't been this high in roughly 18 months. So let's turn our attention to the broader stock market observations that we'll get from Steve here in a couple ways, not only to general observations, but a couple key questions for Steve. First, what's behind the recent rally in small caps? And second, we're looking at the VIX being below 14. What's behind the VIX? What are your thoughts on that read and just your overall stock market observations for the week, Steve? Well, Brian, it's definitely been an interesting week for the markets yet again. I mean, we see the S&P 500 this morning clearing 4,300, um, and volatility as measured by the VIX continues to drop. As you mentioned, VIX, uh, that is the, the measure from the Chicago Board Options Exchange that measures one-month volatility for the market and volatility has collapsed now down to 14. So what we've seen is as the rally has evolved, volatility has collapsed, which is you know, totally normal activity. Um, and it, you know, it looks, this market rally looks really healthy to us now. And, and part of that is the fact that this week we saw the rally really extend out to small cap and mid cap names. You know, there's been a lot of concern in the market that the rally was eventually going to fail because it was so narrow. And there was this belief that because the performance in the first half of the year has been very concentrated in the mega cap technology names, driven largely by this AI theme, that we were going to uh, eventually see the, the, those stocks give way and, and catch back down to where the market was. And you know, historically, if you look, that's not the way that it usually plays out. The way it usually plays out is that mega cap strength or large cap strength is followed by broadening in the market um, and, and seeing that strength spread to other names. And quite honestly, that's what we've seen. And you know, if you wanna to point to a reason why, uh, I would go no further than the fact that we're starting to see economic growth start to look like it's gonna surprise on the upside. I mean, we've definitely seen an improvement in economic growth prospects since the start of the year. Real GDP forecasts are now 
higher than they were uh, in the, the than they were last December. Um, you've seen nominal GDP forecasts now close in on five percent, up from three point eight percent around the same time at the end of the year. Um, and those those forecasts are consistent with you know, a typical five to six percent revenue growth for the S and P five hundred, which is not bad. So you know we're we're seeing these bottom up expectations have to now move higher in order to catch up with the improved growth outlook. This was always going to be a year where growth was going to be the key factor, not necessarily inflation. Growth became the the key thing this year as opposed to the inflation outlook. I mean, growth kind of was maybe people were thinking it was might going to be disappointing, and now it's surprising. And that's kind of what I think is driving the market to the upside. Rajiv, what are you seeing over in the fixed income area? Um, given that we're starting to see these growth expectations actually come through? Uh, it's a great question, Steve. And, and you know, there's a lot of uh, moving parts in the fixed income area as well. Uh, you know, we've been seeing some movement on the yield curve. What's really going to be important is the uh, FOMC meeting next week, not necessarily what they're going to do as far as rate hikes go, but their summary of economic projections is going to give us a nice insight into what the Fed is thinking about um, growth and where they think growth is going for the rest of the year and next year. Uh, as I mentioned, we have the FOMC meeting next week, and most are like, most are predicting that it's going to be a Fed pause, uh, the first pause in 15 months. Uh, the question has really shifted now from a Fed pause in June and a Fed hike in July to perhaps a Fed pause in June and a hold through the rest of December. Uh, this is, uh, even with the backdrop of a strong economy and the sticky inflation that we're seeing, and the Fed is trying to do what it can do with this data that it has right now. But to pause and then survey the data and then eventually evaluate uh, the lag effects of the past 10 rate hikes. I think you've got Jeremy Powell um, leaning towards a pause. Many Fed members have talked about a pause. It might be important in June just to see those lag effects take, take effect, really, and see how the impact is on the inflation numbers. Uh, what I think is going to be really important is that summary of economic projections from the Fed. Uh, do we see a Fed show a policy benchmark at 5.1% at the end of the year? Uh, that would be in line with the projections that we saw in March. Or do we see them change those projections? Uh, I think that's going to be very important for the market to see. Markets are still pricing in a 25 basis point rate hike in July and a cut in December. Do we see those summer of economic projections start to reflect that? Or do we see some changes in those projections? Uh, the market is anticipating what they're calling a hawkish pause, with the Fed providing some really strong signaling through those summer of economic projections. Uh, the Fed is keeping an eye on the credit tightening situation uh, after the recent banking crisis. Uh, they may provide the Fed with some rationale to pause right now, given some of the uncertainty in the economy. But this resilience of the economy may lead to the Fed to upgrade their growth forecast. And I think that's going to be really important to see how those numbers shake out. Uh, the yield curve, if we saw it this week, it's really reflecting a pause. Uh, it's reflecting an anticipated uh, what, what the Fed's going to do next week. Uh, the front end of the yield curve has been moving lower in yields, the anticipation of that Fed pause. The back end has been moving higher, looking at the economy. And overall, the 2 tens yield curve remains inverted uh, to the order right now of 80 basis points. We saw that hit 86 basis points earlier in the week. That's the most inverted the curve has been since March. And in this type of backdrop, what we're seeing right now and what we're, we're looking at the uh, fixed income markets, it again continues to be our narrative that you want to stay high quality, you want to stay shorter duration. Uh, in this kind of environment, it doesn't really make sense to take rate risk going out further in the curve. You're not getting paid for it. 
Credit risk has been uh, pretty resilient. Uh, spreads have been resilient uh, through the last year. Uh, but I do I do anticipate there could be some uh, movement in spreads if we do hit a recession. So it might be it's very important to be high quality assets as well. And speaking of high quality, I mean the, the choices we have are obviously high quality corporate bonds, but we're also looking at municipal bonds as well. We've been seeing some action in in the muni environment. And uh, Pat, what are your thoughts about munis right now? Are, how the valuations look? Like? Thanks, Rajiv. I appreciate you having me back on the podcast. And uh, since it's been a while, we thought uh, it might be helpful to try to briefly describe what we're following in the tax muni market. Uh, so munis generally will move directionally with the treasury market, but not in lockstep and often with a lag that can provide some opportunities for relative value trading. Uh, the way we measure this relative value is by looking at AAA muni tax exempt yields compared to treasury yields. So this ratio when compared to historical averages uh, provides some color on whether munis are rich or cheap against the taxable treasury. Uh, most, for much of the past six months, this ratio has, has signaled munis are overvalued at most points on the curve. For example, the five-year muni to treasury ratio has been fluctuating between 55 and 70% since last November, and that's compared to historical averages around 80%, again, signaling immunity richness. About two weeks ago, we saw a spike in muni supply, which helped move that five-year ratio to 73% and closer to historical fair value. Uh, but in the past week, treasury rates uh, moved modestly higher while uh, munis actually moved lower, partially due to increased demand at these improved ratios, but also this anticipated summer rollover period where we see a lot of bonds mature and a lot of coupon payments made to investors. So the next three months represent the three largest redemption months of the year. And that money generally gets reinvested back into munis. Uh, this is just a long way of saying that there are currently a lot of dollars chasing fewer available bonds. Uh, so this has moved the five-year ratio from 73% back to 67% and back to being rich to historical levels. Part of the reason we're seeing this uh, overvalued has to do with the drop in muni new issuance in the past month. In May, we saw 29 billion in new issuance. This is down 11% from April and down 16% from last May of uh, 2022. Again, more dollars chasing fewer available bonds, which drives down muni yields and muni ratios. Uh, but one area of support to supply over the past month has been a liquidation of municipal assets from the FDIC of a failed bank that was taken over uh, in the most recent banking crisis. That bank held over six billion in munis, uh, most of which was inside of uh, 20 years. And so far, less than half of that portfolio has been sold and what has been a, a fairly orderly process uh, so far. Uh, but it isn't uh, all doing gloom and for munis. In fact, uh, the move higher in rates led by the Fed uh, has created some opportunities for investors that have been on the sideline waiting for a better entry point. Uh, as we've said, uh, uh, there's income and fixed income again. And for buyers in the top tax brackets, the taxable equivalent yield in municipals provides some material after-tax yield pickup, uh, especially on the long end of the curve. Uh, so for investors looking for tax-exempt income, safety, and diversification, munis could be a, a viable investment option, especially if supply increases and muni ratios move higher. Well, thanks, Pat. Appreciate that update on the municipal market. And as our final topic for today, George, we recently had our national call where we provided our mid-year economic and investment outlook. And I think it'd be a great way to end the week to provide a quick summary for our listeners in terms of what we think is happening as our mid-year update. Sure, Brian. So I think it's fair to say that as you've heard from Steve and Rajiv and Pat, that there's a lot of opportunities out there. Uh, there's also a good amount of momentum that's really kind of supported the economy. And we've kind of talked about the theme of resilience as a way to kind of encapsulate all that. 
you know, you've seen some broadening out in consumer spending. We all know that the travel season has been uh, pretty brisk thus far. I think travel as measured by just people going through the turnstiles at airports is now back to pre-pandemic levels. Hotels are pretty well booked. Um, you know, there are certainly pockets of weakness, but overall the consumer seems to be in pretty good shape um, and has really relied on their savings to get, uh, to get over that goal line of, of spending again. They've also been uh, buoyed by uh, a really strong labor market. We've talked about that, I think, um, time and time again, that the labor market seems to be in decent shape. It's, it's soft a little bit, but it's still overall uh, in, in healthy shape as we see it right now. And then thirdly, I think you can kind of point to this onshoring notion that I think the industrial sector has seen a pretty good uh, bounce in general activity as well. So you kind of throw those things together and you, you're left with the economy that, as Steve mentioned, is, is in pretty decent shape overall and is playing signs of momentum. I think the second half, we probably lose a little bit of that steam though. Uh, there are some, some headwinds. Rajiv talked about the fact that credit markets are trying to tighten just a little bit. Uh, and given some of the ongoing pressures, perhaps in the banking sector, we might see more of that um, uh, play out. At the same time, however, inflation is cooling, but as we say, it's not really sufficiently cool for the Fed to really back off entirely just yet. And um, you know, we didn't talk about this uh, this morning, Rajiv, but I'm, I'm sure you're kind of watching what's happening in some of the central banks overseas, namely uh, the Bank of uh, Canada and the Bank of Australia, both actually raised interest rates this past week. Some of a surprise to the market, so it suggested that maybe central banks are still, um, you know, maybe likely to keep one foot on the brake as as well as they try to let off the the tightening cycle. Um, it remains to be seen for sure, but. I do think that the Fed at some point uh, probably will pause. I mean, they've, they've done a lot. They need to reassess what's going on. And we also have to uh, note that we have a lot of um, liquidity to kind of manage our way through as, as Treasury actually starts to replenish it, its, uh, its checking account post the, the debt ceiling crisis. So I think there's a lot of cross currents that suggest that maybe things are slowing down a little bit. Overall, I think we want to stay balanced towards risk, meaning that we're kind of neutral towards our S allocation targets in general. Um, many people are pretty bearish. We're kind of more on the, the caution, I guess, the cautionary um, uh, side of the tape. And I think, as, as Pat mentioned, there's there's really plentiful opportunities out there, namely in the fixed income market, where there is income and fixed income again, as you noted, Pat. Uh, there's some interesting opportunities that present themselves, as we saw in the past few months or so, around the debt ceiling issue. And I think the same thing can be said in, in equities, too, where Steve and his team are really focusing on some interesting opportunities. Um, and also kind of there's opportunities, I think, as you mentioned, Steve, in, in the small caps phase two, which has been underperforming of late. Uh, and if we get that brought into the market, that should participate as well. So overall, again, our, our focus is believing a, a neutral bias, a neutral towards risk target, uh, a focus on quality and really focusing on uh, maintaining our long-term discipline and approach to, towards managing portfolios. Well, thanks for the conversation today, George, Steve, Rajiv, and Patrick. We appreciate your perspectives. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. 
Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investments in insurance products are not FDIC insured, not being guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.